Okay, I'm really excited to uh, interview Luke Hessler. Luke uh, started his business with a $600 loan from his parents when he was 19 years old. He had a six-figure income by the age of 20. He's the founder of Ace Branding, where he serves over 1,500 clients in the digital marketing space and press and media, and we'll talk about that today. He's been featured in major media outlets like Yahoo Finance, IB Times, and NASDAQ. And I'm really excited because I started a collaborative partnership with uh, Luke. And ever since we first spoke, it's just been a pleasure uh, connecting with you and being able to just brainstorm with you. So welcome and appreciate you joining me. Yeah, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So why don't you start by just giving us a little background, a little bit of that history, you know, starting a, a business off with a loan, especially only 600 bucks is not easy. So maybe just give us a little background on that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'll take you, I'll take you way back. So I, um, I was really blessed with my, with my childhood for me, success was not something I hoped I was going to be able to get. It was something that was expected of me by my family. My mom was the type of person where it was like, if I got an A minus, it wasn't like good job. It was like, why didn't you get an A? Um, and so there was always a standard of excellence in my family. Um, when I ended up going to college, I, Unfortunately, made some bad decisions my freshman year and didn't get one, two, but three minor in possessions of alcohol my freshman year. And um, to my family, who is like ultra conservative Christian family, I might as well have murdered somebody. Right. So now I am officially a black sheep and I need to figure out my life. And so. When I was uh, a sophomore, I got really blessed to meet someone who was 25. He was making $40,000 a month doing affiliate marketing. I was like, this is my chance to reinvent myself and show my parents I'm not a loser. And so I um, went to them. I gave them a whole proposal of what it would take to get started. I begged them for a loan and they gave me the loan as a lesson to teach me that these like things don't work and I should do the traditional route. Um, at this point, I was very motivated to make it work. So after uh, six months of just trial and error and falling on my face and figuring out what doesn't work, I eventually went to social media and I figured out how to, you know, kind of build a brand and how to, you know, grill, grow an audience on that. And um, figured out how to be able to sell doing that. Then I figured out how to recruit other people and teach them how to grow and build a brand. And that's how I ended up building that uh, affiliate team. By the time I was 23, that was over 10,000 affiliates that were on my team. We were in all 50 states, 20 different countries. Um, and that business was doing like $10 million a year in annual revenue. Not profit for me, but we were, we were, doing, we were doing pretty well. And so at that point, I dropped out of college, went all in on business, thought that's what I was going to do for the rest of my life. Um, then I ended up transitioning into starting my own company in 2017 in the agency space, helping other people grow and uh, monetize their brands like I was able to do. And that's really what I've been doing ever since. And so that's what brings us to where we're at today. <laughs> Very cool. You know, it's amazing how the younger generation has so much experience and such a leg up compared to people who've been in the workforce for so long, just because the entire digital space, which is now just overtaking pretty much everything, um, you know, be able to adapt and be able to do what you did and the experience that you had and then take it and adapt it into a brand new business. What a blessing that was for you. That's amazing. Amazing. How many people are on your team now? Yeah. So, I mean, currently at our business, because it's not like an affiliate sales team, we have 15 people that are on our business here. Um, and so it's a little bit different model than we had before. But I agree with you 100%. I think that the the advantages of being in this age is unbelievable. I mean, we have more information at our fingertips than was available in the Library of Alexandria. Um, but the challenge with it is that it's also very easy to get distracted on those things. And so I think the key is being able to use technology <clears throat> rather than letting technology use you. Um, and if you do that, you can really be able to get a leg up on the competition. Yeah. I mean, it's really overwhelming because with all the new stuff that keeps changing and the fact that you have to keep 
pivoting, the gap between people who know what they're doing in the digital space versus people who don't and who've never dived in. I mean, look, I owned a business for 25 years and I never did any marketing. My clients had to talk to you. They had to have a presentation. They did not go on the internet and start searching. They were, they had annual evaluations. They knew who all the big players were in the business. And a lot of oper a lot of businesses, a lot of industries operate that way. They just know who's who. And now just with so many creators and so many people trying to now build small businesses, the digital marketing just, you know, revolution has exploded with all the new technology. And now with AI, which I'm really excited to talk to you about that and how that's impacting the industry. But uh, again, the gap is so wide. I mean, I'm curious when you talk to clients, how many of your clients actually know anything about marketing versus come to you and go, look, I know nothing. <laughs> mm, that's a really good question. And, and we have, we have two different clients that come with us. Probably 80% of them come and be like, hey, I know I need to have an online reputation. I don't have anything. Help me. Um, and then the other 20% of them are like, hey, I want to focus on this one specific area and I know exactly what I want from my online reputation. Can you help me go and get that? And so it's a it's a mix. But I think what you what you mentioned is so true is that back in the day, like your online reputation, it didn't matter because there was no internet. But nowadays, like when everyone like does their research, right? There was a study in Adweek that said 82% of consumers, you know, do online research before making buying decisions. And really all that is, is Googling someone or Googling a product or a company or looking them up on social media. And that's their research. And so it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity where if you can anticipate that behavior from consumers and you can position your brand in a way that conveys credibility, um, then it gives you a massive leg up on the competition. And as you mentioned earlier, it's an unbelievably competitive market. And so if you don't have that, you're at a massive disadvantage to the people that do. And imagine what it will be like a year or two now, five years from now, because everything's moving online, like everything. It's unbelievable how, yes. how, how, how everything became digital so quickly. And COVID, I guess, fast forward, made that fast forward quite a bit. But I think just the, the evolution of how technology is changing everything and the speed that it's kind of happening and the amount of people and creators that are happening online and branding. And it's, it's, it's a big deal. And you're right. You know, I don't know who doesn't get on and just Google something very quickly. And the amount of decisions that get made in that first few seconds of seeing something is unbelievable. So like, I know, That's like, you know, as, as I was trying to grow my brand, I mean, having an article about you and having something digital and asset, not only is it valuable because it gets to last and you get to carry it forward with you. It's not something like a one-time TV commercial where that's it. And I think the fact that you can take digital print and you can leverage it over and over and over in different formats on different platforms, that's a huge win. And the credibility and the reputation factor is just, I don't know, you can't really put a number on that. You know, that's the one thing I would say about marketing. I'm sure you get this a lot. You know, the whole ROI, the return on investment, it's a hard thing. Nobody in marketing can tell you, we're going to guarantee you this. We're going to be able to get you that. But I'm curious, when you are successful with a client, they have a good story, they tell that story, you help them and you get them published on a big platform, which we'll talk more about how your business does that. But um, what do clients typically see what happens when they get something like they're in a big time media outlet and they get to put that on the internet and have tons of people see that? Like what typically happens and what do they usually see as a result? 
Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. And the answer is there's going to be like three primary things that we're going to be able to help people get with that. So number one is we're going to drive brand awareness. So it's just more eyes, right? And so like, for example, when people are promoting about an article that they were just featured in in their social media, we're seeing anywhere between 300 and 500% more engagement on those posts versus other social media posts that are there. Um, And so that in itself just increases brand awareness, brand attention. And I mean, at the end of the day, if 10,000 people know about your product right now, and then 20,000 people know about it, you know, tomorrow, tomorrow, it's going to increase all of your numbers, right? Um, And so that's the first thing that we look at. The second thing that we're looking at is also really focusing on brand credibility, because a lot of people are big on like SEO and their social media and all of these things. And those are great, but they're also inherently biased. You're the one who created your website. You're the one who puts out your own content. So it's like, so if you're asking, you know, a, a restaurant owner and they say, Hey, I have the best restaurant in town. It's like, well, of course you're going to say that you own the restaurant, right? But it's like, if you have a good friend who goes to all the restaurants and then they say that person has the best in town, now it has third-party validation and credibility. And so that's a big part of what we do as well, is when we get people featured in press and in various different media outlets, it brings in that third-party credibility where now it's not just them saying they are who they are, but now you get a trusted and respected source saying the same thing, which leads to ultimately a shorter sales cycle because people perceive you as the expert and like the, the industry leader in your space, as well as it allows you to be able to, you know, do higher ticket sales. Because I mean, you think about it, it's like, just think of like a coach or a mentor, the best ones are the most expensive ones. And the only time you're willing to pay that is if you perceive them to be that good. It doesn't, and it's interesting because in the internet world, it's, it's not really about, are you that good? That's what, that's what determines the retention (laughs) of it, right? If they stay, it's like, how good are you? But whether they decide to work with you versus somebody else, it's really the perceived credibility that is mainly influencing that buying decision, which is a really interesting distinction um, when it comes to marketing online. Is that why you love your business so much? Because (laughs) you help create that perception in a big way, right? I mean, you guys are getting, I mean, I looked on your website, I've researched you guys. You're getting people in, in big time outlets like Forbes and Inc and NASDAQ and USA Today. So I would imagine, I mean, do you ever see people kind of get themselves in trouble because it gets exposed a little too much, meaning they just get pounded right off the bat and they can't handle it because they're a solo entrepreneur or a small team? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say that's necessarily a thing that we've seen. Um, usually that's a good problem because then if they can't take on that many clients, you just raise your prices, right? It's like right. when demand, <laughs> demand goes up and supplies low, you just increase price. That's how it goes. And so that's not usually an issue for people. Right. Uh, but I will, I will tell you, we have found some incredible success stories around people who like essentially like they knew they were great at what they did. It's just other people didn't know it. And so by being able to get their story told out there, whether it be through major media features or podcasts, like this and things like that. It's just an incredible opportunity for people to, you know, share their story and, and get it to impact other individuals. Yeah. I mean, what I, what I find so incredible about digital marketing, especially now is that you can do business with people all around the world where usually it used to be like so localized and so, you know, you know, depending on the type of um, reach that you have. And now with digital marketing and, and everybody kind of having an expectation that, yeah, there's no limit anymore. There's no, so you can be a solo entrepreneur, you could be, you know, a consultant and you could be, you know, creating income and generating revenue for yourself from people from across the world. And it's because they saw something on the internet about you from a digital marketing piece that was created a year ago. And it's just, it's incredible. It really, it changes the way that people do business. There's no question. And you just see how much money gets poured into um, the digital marketing space from these big corporations. I mean, I, I don't know that much about it. Again, I didn't have that much marketing experience because I was a sales guy and I would just sell. 
But I would imagine like you have an idea of like, you know, the typical budget for big companies, small companies. I mean, how much money do people usually spend? You know, I mean, prices are expensive. You know, you want to get into a story and a tier one publication. It's not cheap. But yeah. there's, the reason is, is because there's a return. And so I'm curious to know just from an investment you know, perspective, what do you usually see from clients? How much are they willing to spend? You know, how, you know, give me some ranges just so like the audience can hear like how much does it cost to get a great digital asset that you can leverage for years? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. And the answer is that there are different tiers of like kind of these digital assets and press, right? So there's like four tiers. And so like the lowest tier, um, you can get those for as cheap as $500 and you can be able to get into those. But if you're looking to get in like tier one publications, so you're looking at like Forbes or USA Today or NASDAQ or Men's Journal, things like that, those go as high as $10,000 per article. Um, and I have clients personally that we have press budgets for like a yearly budget of, you know, well into the multiple six figures of what they're trying to go out there and do. Um, and the reason that they do that is because it works at the end of the day. I mean, PR is a multi-billion dollar industry. And um, I believe this type of PR is really unique because it, rather than having to pay someone like a retainer, which is what most of these larger corporations are used to, they pay a retainer of five or 10 grand a month for you know, a PR firm to pitch their story to all these various individuals. The way that we do it in a unique way is we basically allow people to order PR like they'd order food off a menu at a restaurant. So we already have contributors and relationships at these various publications that have pre-approved articles for thought leaders and entrepreneurs. And so therefore we can guarantee publishing for them. And if they don't get published, then they get a full refund from it. And so when we talk to larger corporations, um, that is the thing that is so interesting to them is that we can guarantee the publishing. Um, they know exactly exactly what they're going and getting. And then the second thing they also really like is the narrative control of it, where instead of some journalist that's writing a story on you and it could be accurate or it could be inaccurate based on what they see, we work directly with the client to be able to craft the narrative. And we'll never send something for publishing until the client approves it, which gives them the opportunity to control the narrative and ensure that whatever information that's going out there is accurate information and um, and, and and it tells the story the right way. And that's, that's why it's so important, by the way, for us at least, like our mission is to serve those who serve others. Um, we want to focus on impact-driven entrepreneurs and we want to take the people who have a positive voice and we want to amplify that voice because this this also can be used the other way and that's called propaganda right when you have uh, you know areas of that are not true and are and are deceitful this is so powerful that it works that way as well but that's not something that we do we only focus on you know brands that we really believe in and that's really important to us yes yeah, it's, it's you know that's a big point because I would imagine you have a right fit kind of a client and someone who's brand new in business is probably not spending 10 grand on an article. <laughs> but I would say it's amazing to me as a, as someone who's founded a few companies, there is this way of fear, the fear that you create when you think about having to hire an employee. And if you have to go hire a big time employee and the person's going to make six figures, someone wants to make a hundred grand. There's something that happens in, in an entrepreneur's brain that says, I can't afford a hundred grand. I'm just getting off the ground. We're not re generating revenue. But I learned something a while back and it was really powerful. And it's that you're not going to spend a hundred grand unless you keep them. Mm. Because if they don't work out in the first few months, you get rid of them and you haven't wasted a hundred grand. So there's this mindset of like, you're going to spend so much money on an employee, but you don't, unless you fail as a leader to actually not make a change if the person's not there. And if they stay, then you should be getting a return because salespeople should be creating a much bigger return than what you're spending on them, even though there might be a little bit of a sales cycle. Yeah. And with marketing assets, what's interesting is, is that when I hear up to 10 grand, it's for me as a small entrepreneur in regards to not having lots of employees right now, 
you know, that's like a, whoa, but for a bigger company, it's nothing. It's a, it's a drop in the, it's a drop in the bag, right? Because, you know, you're going to spend that much money and you're going to be able to leverage that over time so many times. And I wonder, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's never been done. I did, I did it in my company with a different type of an initiative, but if you stacked up a digital asset, like the cover of a magazine and marketing that versus a salesperson and how much that can drive traffic or how much that can get eyeballs on your brand, it would be pretty interesting to see a $150,000 salesperson against, you know, a big time publication to see the statistics, if you could compare it, because I have to tell you, you know, you, you, you can leverage that stuff. And because of the time frame, the impact and the immediacy of it, it would be hard for a salesperson to, to win. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's really true. And the other unique thing about it, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, is that when you're calculating the ROI, it's not just about the immediate ROI, but it's like the lifetime ROI. Because if right. somebody goes and gets featured in Forbes, like for the rest of time, they can always be introduced as a Forbes featured entrepreneur. And that immediately takes you from here to here from a status perspective and a perceived credibility step in a perspective. And so that that's something you can leverage for decades to come. And so that's something that is another really interesting part about this. Right. Big time. Because the salesperson, most likely they're not going to be with you 10 years from now. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then the other thing too, is that it makes it easier for the salesperson because now they have some credibility. You know, Absolutely. it's like if you have a salesperson, they can say, hey, look what Forbes said about us. They're right. going to close more deals anyways. You know, yeah. it's such a crazy thought, right? Because if you have a salesperson making 10 grand a month, and, or even just a hundred grand a year, and they're with you 10 years and you spent a million bucks, you better be doing some big time analytics to see if you're getting that return from that person. Whereas with digital marketing, you could spend $50,000, $100,000 and have those assets and just leverage them everywhere, every how and turn them into con It's unbelievable how much, how much damage it can do in regards to like the, you know, again, the branding. And, and I think for me, it just being thrusted into this world of branding, there's just so much to learn. It's very overwhelming. There's no question because it's one thing to get the assets. Another thing, how do you use it? So I'm curious when you have a client and you get them that, do you help them? Do you kind of guide them? What are the, what are the, what are the, like the basic one-on-one -on -one things that people need to know when they get a great asset and they've made this big investment? Yeah, that's a really good question. And so we have like a whole process that we take people through. We call it like reputation to revenue consulting because we want to get you number one featured and that's the reputation. But then we want to teach you how to be able to leverage that and turn it into sales. And that's the revenue side of it. And so the idea of this is primarily around what your current outreach method is. And so if somebody is currently running ads, then we have a method for how we can leverage this PR to help them get a higher ROI on their ad spend. If they are currently doing, you know, cold outbound messaging and that's how they're doing it, then we integrate this into their cold outbound strategy and they do it that way. If someone is making most of their, you know, sales and most of their, um, you know, uh, customers are coming from, let's say, creating their own content, then we'll teach them how to be able to leverage this, you know, through content creation, how they can post it on their various socials. We teach them how to be able to create email campaigns to their current email list that they have, if that's the route that they're going to go. And so depending on your current strategy for going and acquiring new customers, we have a methodology to be able to integrate this into it. But frankly, the simplest way to go and do it, and this is something that everyone can do, right? Because everyone has their own personal social media. So let's just take like the solopreneur who like, let's say is mostly working from warm market and referrals at this point. How can they get benefit from this? You want to go and use this on your own social. And like, we kind of have like three phases. We call it like a credit or um, a curiosity crescendo where you first make a post on your show social saying that it's coming. You're like, hey, I'm in talks with some major media outlets about potentially, you know, publishing my story. Say a prayer for me. I hope this goes 
goes through. And so this creates curiosity. People are like, oh man, that's cool. That's exciting. Then, you know, once you, you get, you wait a couple of days, you make another post, it's official, it's happening. Our story is going to be published in some of the media, you know, largest outlets in the world. Stay tuned. It's coming. People are getting more curious. You get more details about it. And then you officially make the announcement where you're like, so excited. I just got published in X, Y, and Z magazine. And, and it's almost like the way that we teach people to write it. We provide copy and things like that of examples, but we want to kind of frame it like a, um, like an award recognition speech where it's like, I just received this reward. It's like, I want to thank my mom. I want to thank my team. I want to thank this person. I want to thank that. And that's the way you want to go and frame that on social media. And what you start seeing from that is just all of your friends from everywhere. Everybody's just congratulations. Congratulations. I always knew you were going to make it. Da, 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 da. And it's just, it creates so much buzz and so much excitement and also so much credibility and validation on your business that it's absolutely phenomenal. And frankly, as like solopreneurs and entrepreneurs, you don't always get a lot of that recognition that you deserve. And so it's kind of cool to be able to, to get that. You ever have to tell people that they don't have a good enough story? <laughs> I do sometimes, um, but usually it's, it, it, I, okay, I'll give you an example. I had one person that came to me and he was literally just a trust fund kid who had so much freaking money and he just wanted to get in Forbes to get in Forbes, but he had no business, no anything, no story. Like there was literally nothing there. And I was like, dude, I just... I can't, you know, go and get you on this, unfortunately. But most startup entrepreneurs, like the American dream, if they can, if they have enough money to be able to go and invest in some sort of PR, they came from somewhere and have some sort of story. And those, right. and those stories we can get picked up. And you, and you have a team that kind of pulls the story out of them? Exactly. Yep. So they do like an interview where we'll pull the story out, learn more about them, figure out what's their competitive advantage is, what you know, challenges they overcome, things like that. And that helps us kind of decide what angle we want to take for the article that we're writing. Incredible. It's very cool. Yeah. Um, so let's just change gears real quick. So I'm curious, what are, <clears throat> let's just talk about leadership, talking about building a company. So you have a lot of experience. How old are you now? I am 31 now. Okay. So, and you started business when you were 19? Yes, correct. So what would you say is one of the hardest things that you've had to overcome in business and how you changed and adapted and overcame whatever ch that challenge is? Hmm. Good question. I would say for me, my own personal challenge, the number one thing, I, it's two things I would say. Number one is comparison. Um, I have friends, you know, that do massive, massive numbers, you know, some of them are in the, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in their early thirties. Right. And, um, I'm not doing hundreds of M's right now. And so for me, I like, look at that and I'm like, man, I am just, I'm a loser, you know, like I need to get my life together. And, um, and that can be a difficult thing, especially on social media when like everyone's kind of like projecting their highlight reel, right? You're comparing your behind the scenes to everyone else's highlight reel. So it's really easy to make you feel like you're behind and you're not winning, even though like if you objectively evaluate where you're at compared to the general society, you're, you're doing really well, you know? So that's, that's something like a narrative that I have to kind of work with in my head. And that's, that's more of kind of like a, a mental block. Um, but I will say kind of from a, um, a practical standpoint, the biggest challenge that I've had in, in business is focus. Um, I, if I, I have bounced around from like a couple different things, a couple different times. And if I just, the people who I know that are worth the nine figures and above in their thirties, they have been doing one thing and one thing only for a very, very long time. And it's, um, it's very easy to be able to get that like shiny object syndrome. And, um, and especially for someone like me, I'm like, um, 
in like the ideas of like visionary integrator, I'm more the visionary person, right? I have a bunch of ideas. I get excited. I can see the big picture and things. And that's a gift of mine, but it's also a challenge of mine. And so the way that I've had to solve that is, you know, I hired an integrator that is the complete opposite, you know, like they are the, the yin to my yang, so to speak. And they help me be able to stay focused and get moving and doing those types of things. And, um, and so those are, those are two challenges that I personally face in business. Have you used EOS? I have. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Okay. And um, <clears throat> your biggest, tell me your biggest struggle with people. I mean, you have, now you have a team, you were working with affiliates, different kind of a model. Now you have a smaller team that's able yep. to scale without having to add lots of people. But uh, what is some of the struggles that you've had with just in general, being a leader and having to lead people? Yeah. Um, number one is obviously recruiting, you know, finding the good people, right? Like that is a, that is a difficult thing to be able to go out there and do. Um, and, and when it comes to that, it's also very difficult for me to let people go, you know, like, cause I'm like a, I'm an empathetic person. I hear their story. I hear what's going on. They got all these things happening in their life. And like, I want to give people the benefit of the doubt. And so oftentimes I have let people stay around for a lot longer than they should, um, which has held, you know, back the business. And so me having to have those hard decisions has been difficult. Um, but also a part of that was because what I didn't do in the beginning was lay out objective, um, criteria to be able to evaluate performance. And so rather than, you know, at first it was like, I knew they weren't performing, but it was like, Hey, I feel like you're not doing what you need to go out there and do. And like, and that's difficult to have those conversations. But now what we do, whenever we bring somebody on, we have, you know, objective criteria that we evaluate performance on in every department within our company. And so it's very easy to be like, are you doing what you need to do? Or are you not? And it takes a lot of the emotion out of it. Um, and it allows you to be much more logical in your decision-making. So that's been super helpful yeah. for us. That's funny. When I, so I hired a leadership coach early on and I remember one of the first fights we got into was me complaining about the performance on the team. And I had done the job before, so I knew what the job was. And he said, it was my fault. And I'm like, how's it my fault? He's like, cause they don't even know what's expected of them. And I said, yes, they do. I've said it like 10,000 times. He's like, do you have it written down? I'm like, no, he's like, then they don't know. So he called them all in my office and asked them one by one, like, do you know what's expected of you? And like, we heard every person say something different. Wow. And I was like, wow. So like, you know, I had to get busy writing out what those objectives were, writing out those expectations, hitting people when they first came in. And it was such a big deal. And then I remember watching my leadership team go and then do the same thing. And I'm like, holy cow. Like, you know, you think as a leader, the world revolves around you. But like, if you're growing a team, you know, I always say that the way to become a great leader and, and, and to look back is to be able to say that you built leaders who can build leaders. And yeah. so that you have to model the way and you got to have influence so then they can go and they can go build other people. And I'll never forget, like, you know, being able to look at like the expectations in the company and how we put people on performance improvement plans, all based on this one little thing, these objectives that you're talking about. And it is, it's like, it's a huge thing that, you know, employers are lazy about and they, and, and big time, you know, you're visionary, you're thinking about your ideas, you're looking forward and you're forgetting, you know, what it's like. I always call it the curse of knowledge. You forget what it's like to be a brand new person. Yeah. <laughs> you forget. That's right. That's right. And for me, what I came from is uh, my original first business was more of like an affiliate program. So it was like everything was a volunteer army. So it's not like you have people that like have to do this or have to go and do that. It's more about just like motivating them, inspiring them, wanting them to go and take action on their own. And it's like, and that was that, you know, some people did a lot of work. Some people did no work. Some people did something in the middle. And, um, and so then coming to traditional business where you have employees and you're hiring them, it's like, it's a different approach. And so that was a, um, a difficult transition for me at first to be able to kind of like transition from more of an affiliate model to actually being a business owner and having right. employees. That was a different thing. Right. 
Well, let's talk about uh, AI because it's uh, it's definitely shaking things up. And you know, when I saw ChatGPT come out last November, you know, back back when it was re first released, when I first came upon it, first off, what was amazing is that people aren't using it. There are there are people who are either using it and they're like living in it, or there are people like, nah, yeah, I really don't, and they don't see any need for it. It's like it's unbelievable how it really hasn't become mainstream yet. Yes. And I always feel like, you know, if you're caught with your pants down, you know, you're going to regret it because there are just so many things that it can do right now. So my first question to you is, how are you personally using it? You know, like what's your go-to tool? What's your favorite? Um, do you have anything that completely changed the way you work? And then we'll talk about the business. Yeah, absolutely. So the way that I primarily use AI is I, I use it as almost like a second brain. Um, and so the way I say, like, I don't go to Google anymore ever. I always just go directly to ChatGPT and I talk to it. Um, and, and I, and I use it to clarify my own thoughts. And I almost like I'm having a conversation with myself, but I'm having it with the AI. And, um, and it's unbelievable because it has access to infinite information, okay? And the only limitations are based off of the questions that you can go out there and ask it. And, um, and so it has allowed me to be able to like expand my scope of knowledge vastly. Like even when I'm putting together, like I'll give an example, like I was just putting together like a package um, for a new program that we're gonna be launching in 2024. And I was talking to the AI as if I was talking to like a mentor or a coach of like, based on this, which ones would you say the best? You know, which, which one of these headlines would you say it would have the highest conversion percentage and why, you know? And then, and it's like, okay, great. How can I tweak it to improve it a little bit more and why? And it's just like, and it, and it helps you grow so much. It's like a, it's a cheat code. It really, really is. Um, and so that's how I primarily use it. And then the second thing that I'll actually do with it is um, we also will help it with us when it comes to like writing any type of copy and content, when it comes to like blog posts or this or that, you know, like, because it does it so freaking fast. And, um, and so now what we had to usually pay someone, you know, two to 3000 a month to write all this copy for now you just have AI that whips it out in 30 seconds. And it's insane. <laughs> it is, it's insane. It's insane. And have you seen it? So for you, obviously, do you, but do you find yourself having it save you time because you can do things so fast or because you can do so much, you end up as a visionary doing more things because you can. Mm, that's a great question. <laughs> at first, it was the second one. At first, it was definitely the second one. I found myself doing too many things because I could. But now I've, I've kind of like locked in what my things are that I use it for. And like, I'm much more efficient with my processes around it. You know, I know what prompts to use. I know what things to happen. And that's, that's the key is figuring out what prompts. That's the most important thing when it comes to using AI. And then the other thing that we're working on doing right now, and this is a interesting iteration of it is um, you can actually hook up AI to ManyChat. And so you can actually have, um, and I don't know if you know what ManyChat is, ManyChat is like an automated messenger sequence. And it's like if then sequences. So if someone responds to your, you know, um, let's say they, they comment press on my social media or on my post on Instagram, then ManyChat will automatically send them a DM saying X, Y, and Z. And then based on their response, it'll say if they respond this, then send this. If they respond this, then send that. And it's usually kind of like a manual automated thing, but there's a really interesting way that um, a buddy of mine is using it where he's hooked it up to AI. So it's now more of like a conversational thing. And so ManyChat is having a legitimate conversation with people um, as if they're talking to a human being. And like, it, and it's unbelievable. He's perfected it. We're on the early stages of it. But like right now we have setters that we pay to go and send DMs and talk to people and do stuff like that. And like, there's human error with this. Imagine if you have an AI that is just, Perfect responses every time, completely unemotional, answers immediately, right? Because it's not like doing something else. Like it's it's unbelievable, really. It really is incredible. You know, one of the things that I get uh, 
I get nervous about because I just see what's coming down the pipeline. People don't know about NFTs. They don't know about blockchain, but it's a big deal right now. And a lot of businesses are using it. And I believe, and again, I know, I know, I don't know. I know, I know, I don't know. And I know everything's going to change and we're going to see things in the next year, let alone the next 24, 36 months that are going to be mind blowing. And it's going to change the way that people see business and the way that people go about having to do business. But one of the things that I, for me is a no brainer is that the amount of content driven on the internet, they say about 90% will be AI driven eventually, like crazy amounts yep. where you won't know what's real. You won't know what's, what's, you know, what's fake. You're going to see all this stuff. You can almost assume that it could be fake because it's AI. I mean, I saw, I saw images the other day that they were showing about the war in Israel and Gaza where they had AI images created. And like, you wouldn't know unless you were like paying attention, like some of the people had six fingers or they had like, you know, just distorted something and you wouldn't know. And the problem is, is once you see that stuff, you know, you, you immediately will think one way and then it can have influence. And so when I think about what you do, and I think about this entire space, it's a scary thing because anyone can go and create a front cover of a, of a magazine and put their picture on it and then put that on on the internet and say, Hey, look, I was featured in USA today. Right. They could do that. Yeah. And I think eventually everyone's going to have to like prove who they are, who they are, who they are, which is a big deal. And you're going to want to do that. So I, it's funny when I talk to people and they say, Oh yeah, like, you know, it's so scary because how much information is going to be on the web. And, and I don't want to, you know, I want to try to hide myself. And I'm thinking, no, you're not going to be able to do that because no one's going to want to do business with you unless they can prove that you are who you are and that you have the credentials that you have. And I've already seen things and I have one and I'll show you, I'll show you right now. And I think it'll be interesting for people to watch. This is on my LinkedIn profile right now. Check this out. You can see on, see my LinkedIn. Uh, so it's, yep. So on my LinkedIn, you can see right now, um, license and certification show credential. So this is my company restart. And here is a sponsor and I can verify we're using blockchain pieces of information so that people know that it's legit. Mm. And so I would imagine in your space, this is going to come down the pipeline pretty, pretty hardcore because someone mm. who puts, you know, their, their, their mug on, you know, Inc 500, you know, and, you know, a big time magazine and anyone can do that. Eventually that magazine is going to want to make sure that that can be verified, that that's a legit asset that they've put out there so that, you know, cause look right now you could put, I could put that I'm part of your company and put your logo on my LinkedIn and you'd never even know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. That's right. That's it's right. crazy. So it's really going to change everything. Do you, do you guys talk about it? Do you guys see this? Do you, do you, do you, does, is it a fear in the business? Um, I, I don't think it's a fear in the business. Frankly, I think that it is something that we do anticipate because I do a hundred percent believe that at some point um, there's going to be the, the validation of individuals to be able to confirm if you're real or your AI, it has to happen. It has to come. Right. Um, it's just a matter of time. And so, I mean, I, I mean, I even have a client right now who owns an AI company and they say that voice, it's a voice to text company is what they do. And they said in the next year, it'll be indistinguishable from it almost already is right now. He says it's at like 85 to 90%, but he says in the next year, it'll be a hundred percent into, into uh, like completely indistinguishable. And he goes on to extrapolate it out to like, imagine sales calls. He thinks that AI will replace salespeople in the next one to two years. Crazy to think about. Um, crazy to think about. So anyways, we anticipate that coming. Um, but from our perspective, I think it just makes it even more important for you to be able to like own your own individuality. 
Like, I think that all your own personal brand and you being you is only going to become more and more important as time goes on with all of these fakes and all of those things that are out there. It's like, it's kind of like when you, um, it's kind of like 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 fake like Louis Vuitton or fake Gucci or these types of things, right? It's like there's always the fake stuff that's out there that's trying to impersonate the real stuff. And frankly, the fake stuff kind of just makes the real stuff even be more attractive because it's like people want it to be real, right? They want it to get the legit stuff. And so that's really how I look at it when it comes to, to AI. But I think to your point, I think this is coming way faster than other people think. Um, in, a, in a recent interview, I think it was with uh, the New York Times, um, Elon Musk talked about this. I put this on my Instagram like uh, like two weeks ago. And he was asked like how long before AI is smarter than the smartest human to the point where it's coming out with, you know, discovering new physics, writing a book better than JK Rowling, right? Like that type of stuff. And he said three years. And um, I mean, he's always early on stuff, kind of traditionally, that's what it seems to be. But imagine even if that's 10 years, you know, it's like what the world is going to look like is is completely different than what right. we are looking at. right. And now. actually, that surprises me because as much as I use it and I know now as much as you use it, it's so much smarter than me. It's unbelievable. Like it, yes. it can run circles around anyone I know. So like the fact that it's not already there now blows my mind because honestly, like, you know, Again, it can hallucinate and it can make some stuff up. But for the most part, everything I validated outside of things that I know are already going to be tricky when I already start prompting it, it's unbelievable what it can do. I mean, the like you said before, like I, I have consumed more learning in the past year than I did my entire life just by having it build courses for me, teach me about this, tell me about that. I mean, it's it, it really is incredible. And for me, like the whole fear part of it, I would imagine people in your space and I would imagine a lot of these companies want to push the blockchain want to push the proven because it makes actually the asset more valuable when you can actually validate it. Cause if I see your, if I see your post on, on LinkedIn and you say that you were on some magazine, you had the story and I can validate that you've just, you're, you just lifted your entire reputation, your credibility, your everything before it was like, okay, cool. But now it's like, no, actually it's valid. And yes. so it, it, it makes it more valuable. It's just, we're not there yet. And so right now, like I, I do question like things I see on the internet all the time. Cause I'm like, you never know. Like, you know, I'm not going to be so naive to the fact that because people do anything, you know, the amount of theft and the amount of crime and the amount of like, you know, people who, I mean, I was a victim of identity theft. And so mm-hmm. you can do things so easily now, you know, the scams that are happening, it's, it's crazy. You like, you literally have to, you have to deny everything until you validate it. That's right. It, it's it's so true. I, I 100% agree. I'm all about that. I've been into crypto since like 2017. I'm big into blockchain technology. I think it's unbelievable. And I think that that application of it is extremely applicable, especially with AI. I have a guy who's a, a buddy of mine. He's another agency owner. He he used to have an influencer agency. He still does, you know, where he works with like these big influencers, right? Helps him get brand deals and all of that kind of stuff. Um, now what he is pivoting to is he is creating AI influencers. And so now he has found it to be more profitable for him to be able to create a fake influencer, grow their account, and and then be able to do brand deals through them. He doesn't have to pay him anything other than the coding fees to be able to get it done. He's like, they post every single time. They don't talk back to me. They don't have an ego. They don't have this, that, or whatever. And um, he's like, dude, it's going to be the future of this. And what's really weird is that it's it, consumer behavior may change, but it seems like people actually don't care that it's AI, um, which is right. really interesting. You know, like, like there was this story, I'm going to, I'm going to botch this a little bit, but like there was someone who was like, it was like a girl basically. And it was like, you could pay to be able to talk to this girl, like, like a dating thing, you know, like, but like, 
And, but she was an AI and everyone knew she was an AI, but people were still paying like thousands of dollars to get on a video chat or to do this stuff. And it's like, that is crazy to me, you know, like it's, but it's, it's the world we're moving into. So it's, um, and it's going to come fast. You know, that's the interesting thing about this technology is that it's going to come fast. Like back in the day, like my, um, my mom used to tell me, she's like, well, it'll be okay. You know, like think about like when tractors first came out, right. All the farmers were like, oh, it'll be horrible because you know, it's going to take all of our jobs as one tractor can do the job of 20 men. And it's like, yeah, that's true. But like, it took tractors like 50 years to actually integrate into society where like every farm now had a tractor from when they were invented right. to where they were with this. Now it's not going to be like that. It's going to be fast, you know, and um, and it's going to be really interesting to see what it's displacing. And I personally yeah, thought look, it's already here. It's here. And I thought it was going to be at first going to be displacing like the, the you know, the the everyday jobs, like the people on the factories and like different things like that. And I thought creatives were going to be the last ones to get displaced. But it's completely opposite. The first thing that came out now is like the creatives and like, yeah, so the whole thing is really wild, amazing opportunity, but you got to you got to be on it, you know, because if you're not, you're going to get left behind by those who are. Look, I, I, mean, I, I, I look, my other company helps people get jobs. And I say that it's the best time to come out of college right now, even though you don't know that the jobs that you're going into college may not even exist when you get out of college. But the fact that you have the experience online and you can adapt and you can train, you can learn new systems, you're good with computers. You take someone who's in marketing, who's been in marketing for 10 or 15 years, and they make 120 grand and they're really good at what they do. They can't compete with all the new tools and all the new things. So if a kid comes out of college and he can prove to an employer, hey, look what I can do. And I always tell people like, make something for the employer and give it to them and just say, hey, like, here's a website I did for you. I looked like you got, or here's a marketing asset. And you know, like they'll hire you, <laughs> they'll hire you. and they're not going to want to pay someone big bucks who can't adapt and actually use these tools because it really does enhance the job. It doesn't necessarily replace, but if you are kind of stuck in your ways, I mean, there's a big shift coming and it's going to be very acutely painful at first, but as people have to adapt and learn, then people will fall into new transition, new opportunities, and they're going to have to do it because yes. you know it will be replaced by certain things that are not going to be done the way they used to be done anymore. So I think there's no question. And like, you know, the whole thing about it's coming fast. I always say, you know, like with AI and blockchain, like this, like I just showed you on my LinkedIn, I've already got credentials that I can verify on blockchain. Yeah. Like it's here, like there's no... Yeah. You know, and there are big companies using it, not mainstream yet, fine, but it's like one of those things where all of a sudden, like something clicks, like all of a sudden Bitcoin goes and everybody hears about it or the NFT world when everyone was going crazy. But, you know, the whole fraud piece of it, you know, I when they first started buying real estate online with crypto, I, I, I was like, you know, it can't hurt. I'm like, I understand how stupid it sounds. But then I'm thinking if you have a brick and mortar store and let's just say I'm a marketing agency. And I'm on, it's in the suburbs on the street and I get traffic coming by and I try to do my stuff online. But if I go into this world <laughs> with this headset and hundreds of thousands of millions of people are walking by my store, well, actually that makes sense to me. Like, <laughs> I want to be there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're having a concert, 9 million people show up. Like, I like that. And uh, someone had created a fake website. And when I went to go buy it, I had logged into it thinking I was on the website that I was going into to go do this. Mm. And I got ripped off big time. And I and once that that crypto went, you can't get it back. Yes. And it's a huge, huge problem right now for people. So the whole the whole validation, the whole, you know, understanding, and there's still friction. And it's why it hasn't gone mainstream because it's hard. 
you know, whether it's putting on big goggles and logging in or whether it's doing transactions, you know, with crypto, it's not easy yet. Once they make it easy, it'll turn mainstream and everybody will be just, it'll just be normal. It'll just be something that everybody does, you know? That's right. That's right. Convenience is the number one product in America at the end of the day, right? right. Everything has to be convenient. That's why Amazon's the biggest thing because you can get anything delivered to your door in a freaking day with five clicks in your finger, right? Mm. And so it's like right when crypto becomes convenient and easy and simple and user-friendly, it's going to go crazy. And um, what you were talking about with all this reminds me of a quote that um, I heard from Bob Proctor when I was like 19 and it really resonated with me. He said that the illiterate of the 21st century won't be those who can't read and write, but those who can't learn, unlearn and relearn. And I think that is very true. So true. Say, say that again. So the illiterate of the 21st century won't be those who can't read and write, but those who can't learn, unlearn and then relearn. So good. So good. Listen, I want to end with one thing and, uh, and I appreciate your time today. But uh, one of the reasons why I originally reached out to you when I did was um, I love collaboration. I love working with people who want to give value to people. And the one thing that I was really impressed with, with your brand and with you personally, was that you were giving away something almost, if not still, you correct me if I'm wrong, for free. You want, you were, you were, you were like, let me prove myself to you. And for me, the one thing that has driven me nuts about marketing agencies, and I've spent a lot of money with marketing companies over the years as I got into the industry. And it seemed to me a little unfair because the marketing company was guaranteed everything right off the bat. They're getting my money, my retainer, my upfront, but then I'm not guaranteed anything, hoping that it works, hoping that I figure out how to use the assets that they're able to give me if I even like them, right? Yeah. But you're, you're a little bit unique and different and it is why. So why don't you just real quick share what you do and how that makes you guys so distinct in the space? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I just realized that the biggest issue between, you know, any type of any type of company online and any type of consumer is trust because people have usually not been burned once, twice, but five times. And so what we want to do is we want to earn people's trust. And we know that that trust is not given, it's earned. And so the best way for us to be able to do that is we want to provide free value. And so what we do is we take anybody who's an entrepreneur that's making over $100,000 a year, because those are who we can guarantee to get published, and we comp their first article. So it's an article that normally costs $500. We cover all the pitching, the publishing, the writing, the editing fees, literally everything. Um, and all they have to do is have an interview and then we take care of it from there. And it's a way for us to be able to show them the quality of our customer service, the quality of our writing and the quality and the value of the product that we we offer. And then if they have a great experience with that first one, then oftentimes that they're going to want to go do more after that. And so it's, it's an investment on our part. You know, it costs us a hundred and some bucks to be able to go and get that done, but it's worth it because we want to build long-term relationships. You know, for us, we're not in like the transaction business where you just buy one and see you tomorrow. We're in the relationship business. And so one of the best ways that I found to be able to start a relationship is by giving and by serving and by adding value. And if we can go and do that, and then we can build trust, then that's the foundation of a long-term relationship. Is what so I good. That's so good. And it's rare. It's very rare. And <laughs> I love it. I love it because you're willing to take a risk. And instead of having other people take a risk on you, and I think to me, that's, that's, that's why I reached out to you, man. So I, I really appreciate that. I love that about you guys. And I'm a big fan of your brand. I'm a big fan of our collaboration. I hope that we're able to scale as many entrepreneurs as we can together and get them seen and noticed and, and branded online and be able to tell their story for them. Because I think that that story, what you said before about how everybody's kind of got a story and they do, but they don't know how to tell it and they don't have the right collaborations to be able to expose it. 
And I think, you know, people like you who have a unique ability to be able to do that for people, that's, that's a gift. And I wish you nothing but a lot of success with that, you and your whole team. And uh, again, I want to thank you for sharing everything today. I think, uh, I think people listening to this will really benefit from it. And if people want to reach out to you, how do they find you? To give me your socials, give me your website, whatever it is that, that you would want people to kind of check out for you. Yeah, absolutely. So anybody can see anything about our company, they can go to acebranding.com or you can feel free to check out my socials. Um, it's just Luke Hessler. On Instagram, it's Luke underscore Hessler, but everything else, it's just Luke Hessler with an H. Um, and yeah, reach out to me. Let's connect. Awesome. Thank you so much. And uh, best of luck with everything. Okay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Chad. Absolutely.